We're live. All right. This is uh, Hebrews and Talks episode 11 already. Yep. And wow. It's been another uh, quick week. Yeah, right? it was. Yeah. Just flies by. Yep. All right. In the next few episodes, I will get a new cup. But for now, I'm doing the I'll be back. I have a new mug, a different one. Uh, I just keep forgetting to bring it here. But uh, I have our classic cup. I have room temperature water in here. You know, a lot of people think that's weird, but uh, that's just what I'm used to. You drink mm -hmm. cold water, right, Pastor Green? Uh, I mean, I, can, I drink uh, room temperature water, too. Uh, I do prefer cold water on a hot day, but I can drink room temperature because I grew up drinking room temperature, too. Yeah, so did I, but my mom, she kind of put us on it. She said it was better for us, and like we got used to it. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah. All right. Uh, I guess to go over just the layout of today's episode, we have our devotional led by PSK. And then we're going to uh, go into our primary segment uh, called The Lonely and Scarred Shepherd. I'm sure we'll have lots of uh, interesting stories uh, to share. And I guess the idea is how we deal with them as, as shepherds. Uh, because believe it or not, shepherds are people too. And we mm -hmm. do feel loneliness. We do uh, get scarred sometimes. And so how do we deal with it? Uh, we'll probably have some personal stories to share uh, as well. And then we'll go to our secondary segment. We have um, a very interesting uh, Christian news uh, article, which I won't give it away with the headline already, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that. In I haven't bit. even heard this, so I'm excited as well. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. All right. So why don't you lead us, start us off with the, uh, the devotion for today. Sure. This is Hebrews 12, verses 3 and 4. It says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Amen. Amen. It, uh, it can, in some ways, have to do with uh, what we're going to talk about later today. Um, but it's talking about Jesus. Right? Consider him. Him is referring to Jesus. Uh, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Mm. Uh, Jesus, the perfect Son of God, uh, he came and he experienced a lot of opposition, uh, a lot of hatred, and um, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, even temptations, and, um, but he suffered a lot. Uh, but actually says that it's so that, not so that, Usually we think about Jesus' suffering in light of our salvation from sin and hell. But it's giving a different reason here, and it's not contradictory. It's, it's not a contradiction. It's adding on top of this. It's also, it says, so that, so it's alluding to reason, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Mm. Uh, when you get tired or when your heart is hurt or... Um, or broken and you experience suffering or hostility as Jesus did, mm. uh, you don't have to feel defeated. Verse 4 says actually gives hope in the midst of hostility and, and, and suffering. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Mm. Um, this is not saying like once you've shed blood for the sake of holiness and resisting sin, uh, that you can kind of give up and be like, okay, like, this is, this is the max capacity that, you know, any, any human can experience. But it's actually saying that, like, no, Jesus did 
shed blood for our sins, not his own, mm. uh, while facing hostility and suffering and, and opposition and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so saying that we haven't even gotten to that point yet. And so we can actually look to the one, Jesus, who actually, for our sake, faced hostility so that we may be encouraged not fall faint-hearted and, be, and, uh, um, and get tired, grow weary. Um, and so this is encouraging uh, not just for pastors, because we're going to talk about shepherds in a second, uh, but just for people in general. Uh, anybody that is following the Lord understands uh, that it's not easy following the Lord. It's not easy uh, being holy, uh, no. especially amidst hostility from people, fellow brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. the world that doesn't agree or doesn't see eye to eye mm-hmm. with the truth. Uh, but you can look to Jesus and be encouraged yeah. that he also faced these things when he was perfect. Yeah. He faced these things from sinners like us, and it was for us so that we may be encouraged and be lifted up in the midst of that. Amen. That's, that's a good word. And um, I, uh, I guess there's no such, thing, no such thing as coincidences, but it kind of ties into our primary segment about, uh, of course, it's not about Jesus. It's about um, the the lonely and scarred shepherd, you know, pastors, uh, what we endure, and also with the hope of you know being lifted up because we know that Jesus, um, you know, went through loneliness and you know uh, hurts and pains that we've gone through, and that's kind of where we get. Uh, I guess it's a little teaser, but that's where we get our strength from. So even in yep. times of loneliness, in times of hurts, uh, we always look to Jesus because uh, He is perfect. He went through the same thing. He knows exactly what we're going through, and that gives us strength. But I guess, um, yeah, if we, we let's start and talk about the lonely and scarred shepherd. Um, I guess for me personally, uh, there's been a couple times uh, in in my time of ministry where I did feel um, very lonely. Um, I guess the first, well, I'll go. The most recent one uh, was still. Pretty, pretty long time ago, um, thinking back maybe like six, seven years ago. Mm. No, sorry, eight, uh, like eight, nine years ago. Yeah, eight, nine years ago. Um, you know, I just got married and we're in Sacramento. Mm. Um, we didn't know anyone there. I don't have any family there. Um, and I just remember one of my friends came over with his wife and just to hang out. He, he flew. They, they flew over. And we're just spending some time together and just kind of like uh, nostalgia hit me. I don't know what it was, but it just felt like so good to have a familiar face. Mm. Uh, and I, you know, we all knew his wife too. So the, the four of us just, uh, you know, having fun, relaxing, eating together, uh, sightseeing, things like that. Um, and it's kind of embarrassing because we, we got a hotel room, the four of us sleeping, you know, in, like four of us got one room and we're sleeping. I don't know if my friend and his wife heard and they were just like being still because they didn't want to make it awkward. But I was like crying, like um, kind of loud. <laughs> like, really? yeah, I, I just I don't know what it was. Like, I just felt like so alone. And I was just like, I was just like, we're we're in bed. We're trying to sleep. But just in the middle of the night, I just, I just started crying because of the loneliness. And I was just like holding my wife and I was telling her, like, I felt I feel so lonely, like. It, I, wow. there's nothing wrong with Sacramento. I think it's a great place, but the fact that I didn't have a familiar face anywhere, like no family. Um, cause as a, as a shepherd, 
you can't really get close with your sheep. You know, like um, yeah. So there, there is always like a healthy distance, uh, whether we like it or not. <laughs> I think a lot of times it's just the, the sheep feel uncomfortable being right, near yeah. the shepherd. Yeah. Uh, even the older adults are like, "Oh man, I feel so." so much burden like sitting next to pastors they say that as a joke but there is some truth to that too mm -hmm. so whatever reason it is it's hard for the shepherd and the sheep to get really close together and so i think that's all that culminating with the fact that my friend you know that i've known since sixth grade was there yeah. um we're just enjoying that time together i just like broke down this like I hit you at once mm -hmm, hit me like like a ton of bricks and i think that's one of the only couple times where my wife has actually seen me cry wow but <laughs> She was like trying to encourage me. She's like, it's okay. We'll get through this. Uh, and then soon after, uh, just things worked out and we were able to move, uh, move back to, you know, Virginia, mm. uh, where, I, where I was born and raised and where I grew up. But I just remember it was one of those lonely moments uh, in ministry. Wow, I've never heard that before. <laughs> I think yeah. there's a couple of things that I think are important that you mentioned there that are really interesting, actually. One, to preface the, this entire episode, uh, this distance between the shepherd and the sheep. Like, it's not, like, I used to think that it was just like, a, oh, like, American churches don't experience this. American pastors are taken care of really well, and, and they seem so close with their sheep. And I think in some ways, yeah, but I think I met up with, this is when I got called into ministry, and it was right before I moved to Texas for my first year of seminary, and I met up with a, uh, a very good pastor uh, that, that that wasn't my pastor, but I knew of pretty well. He 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 guest spoke at our youth retreats a couple mm -hmm. times, and uh, and he was a he was a white you know male, and uh, and he was telling me a little bit about ministry and what I can expect. And I remember like he was talking about Jesus and 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 how Jesus is truly the one that's that's gonna carry me throughout ministry. And he just started crying, and mm -hmm. he's been following Jesus like all his life, and he's been ministry for a long time. Very experienced church planter, and. Uh, and yet this grown man was just crying still talking about the gospel. And that mm. really floored me. But he started talking about the loneliness of being a shepherd. And this guy, he had a wife, he had a dog, he had two kids, a beautiful boy and a girl. They were very young at the time. But still, even with his tight-knit family, he was talking about loneliness, mm. which I think is really important because like, like, it's like it goes across, like I believe, probably across the board all all shepherds right mm -hmm. like we it's very it's kind of it's a little bit hard and we're going to try to illuminate this a little bit for for the viewers but it's hard for you know the sheep to understand like what we're talking about mm -hmm. uh but like for some reason like shepherds feel alone whether mm -hmm. that means like whether that's referring to you know the, the calling that the, sh the shepherds have like do we feel alone in, in the convictions that we have mm -hmm. uh, are we alone when it comes to laboring um, is anybody is there, is anybody ever gonna ask me for prayer requests and like these little things like that? But like, uh, like we just we do feel this distance. It's not just like a social like awkwardness or barrier. Uh, it it really it's just hard to explain. Yeah. Um, but I think what's, what's another thing that's interesting that you mentioned, which I think is super helpful for me personally, but also just for pastors in general, is that it was eight nine years ago and you had just gotten married. I think a lot of like single pastors think like oh like oh like even like not pastors like like congregants will always tell me oh you need to hurry up and get married mm -hmm. because we 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 tend to think that 
once we get married, it's going to solve a lot of our issues. Right. Primarily loneliness. Right. But it's interesting that the pastor that I was referring to before, he was married for a while and he had two kids. And, and, and you, you're sharing the story of the most recent or one of the most recent experiences you've had with loneliness was when you just got married. And that's interesting, I think, <laughs> that like we, we think that, you know, <laughs> that, that, that once we have a wife and a partner for ministry, that they'll, they'll kind of fill this void of loneliness. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it goes deeper than that. Oh, yeah. And, and, just, and just to preface, it's not like, you know, our marriage was really bad. Right? Right. It was like, it was really good. And of course, the two right. of us together, really great. Uh, but it was uh, it was like a deeper sense of the word loneliness. It's not just surface level like oh I have um, no one to I guess hang out with or talk to. Um, but it's a deeper sense in that I guess just a longing to get close to the sheep, but the sheep and the shepherd not being able to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not you know full all on the shepherd or all on the sheep. It's just like a natural thing. Yeah. There's no, no one's no one's fault uh, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just happens and i was uh, dealing with that um for the first time there and it's it's kind of interesting because even before sacramento when i was in raleigh doing seminary uh, i didn't have anyone in that city uh, my parents were a couple hours drive but it's not like i had a chance to go see yeah. them all the time but it never hit me that maybe it's because i had youth over all the time and i just had no time to just just like think about the fact that I, you know i'm lonely so to speak mm-hmm. um because, uh, you know, the dynamic changes once you're married, uh, you can not be as fully uh, devoted or invested, uh, especially into youth, um, as you can be when you're single. So right. maybe that played a factor because mm-hmm. same thing. I didn't really have anyone in Raleigh uh, close by that I can talk to and lean on, just like, I, just like Sacramento. Um, but whatever the case, uh, it was just like a deep sense of loneliness I really didn't know what to do. Uh, and I think what helped me get out is, of course, like talking with my wife about it and trying yeah. to um, have, you know, have conversations about it. But also uh, just going deeper into the word uh, really helped me a lot. That's when I uh, prayed harder. I know, I, you know, as pastors, we do pray hard. But there are moments where you pray even harder. Um, digging into the word harder. Um, and eventually I was able to kind of get out of that rut in that in that sense kind of lean, leaning on the fact that we know jesus went through the same thing and god is a is a god who can sympathize with us he knows and understands our hearts uh, i think that brought me a lot of comfort knowing that god is not unfamiliar with what i've gone through uh, or what i was going through at the time uh, because jesus you know he felt betrayal right he was betrayed uh, everyone abandoned him yeah. uh, he was probably very lonely on that cross you know yeah. just sure. all just you know being all naked, hanging there on the cross in pain, suffering, and everyone that he has, you know, all his disciples, people that he loved, all kind of ran away. Um, so that brought me a lot of comfort uh, yeah. it, 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 when dealing with loneliness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, in one sense, I'm convinced, and I'm trying to think of, sure, I mean, like, I'm sure you can like jump there to this conclusion, but I feel like the Lord uses the shepherd's loneliness to mm, for sure. train them. Yeah, um, I'm almost convinced of it mm-hmm. through experience alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you think about uh, David's upbringing from David, and he mm-hmm. wasn't a pastor, obviously, but mm-hmm. uh, to be the leader of um, 
the people of God, you know, he spent a lot of his earlier years as a shepherd, mm-hmm. as a shepherd boy. Um, a lot of lonely hours, you know, out in the field with, with just sheep, no people. Right. Um, but like also just like the testimonies I hear, you know, of pastors that I know and like even like my own uh, experience right now. Like it was weird to me that like, like the calling to come here specifically to to shepherd this specific group of kids seemed so clear to me. Mm. And yet things didn't line up. Mm. Like my parents, my family and I, we grew up in this area all our lives. Like I've been here, I've been at the church that I'm serving at for 24 years um, because I, I was born and raised here. Um, and I moved to Texas for a year and I came back to be a pastor. But like as soon as I got called to serve here in Northern Virginia. My parents decided to move and we just like passed by each other. Right. Um, you know, being away from family, but like even as I was like with friends, like I started to get this, the sense of the feeling of loneliness hit me pretty quick into going into ministry. I think it's because like, you know, I was passing by my family and whatnot. Um, and so like I started to really lean on, you know, my friends, mm-hmm. uh, like college friends and, sure. and, and, and childhood friends because this was the area I grew up. And I would, they would ask me things like, you know, how's ministry? You seem tired. You seem stressed. And I would try to explain these things. And the advice they would give me was very, like, worldly advice, very surface level. Mm-hmm. There was no sense of, like, understanding, personal understanding of what I was going through and why I felt the ways that I did about mm-hmm. you know, certain people and their suffering and um, the convictions I had. And I remember it got to a point where I got a little frustrated. Mm-hmm. And I told a couple of my friends, the ones I was closest with, I told them, like, don't take offense. Don't take this person. But like, you're not going to understand. Mm-hmm. I told them straight up, like, there's just something that, you know, unless you're a shepherd, you're not going to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, we view things a little differently. Like, we're called uh, for something specific. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't even think they understood me trying to explain and, to them that yeah. they wouldn't understand. And, right, right. And so this is, this is a little difficult uh, to talk about. But, but yeah, I think um, for sure, like, I think the Lord, He... Um, in one sense, like loneliness is not only intentional, but it's good for us. Mm -hmm. I think it's hard and we probably all go through it as -hmm. shepherds, but I believe like in one sense, it really does refine us. It actually prepares us for the calling ahead of us. And it actually draws us closer to the Lord. Like Mm -hmm. you were saying. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Cause who else are you going to turn to? Right. Um, I think uh, that's just kind of like uh, reminds me of the story of Elijah, uh, where he you know runs away. He's on this cliff, uh, very alone, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, be- all because Queen Jezebel said that she was gonna kill him. Right? He had just defeated four hundred fifty prophets of Baal, right? Um, having fire come down and and burn up the the altar, his sacrifice. Uh, but as soon as one queen says she's gonna kill him, he runs away. Uh, to just you know mountaintop just by himself, and he wanted to die, right? He said, "Just take me now. There's no point. There's no other believers left." Uh, but God doesn't honor that request. Thankfully, <laughs> He sends uh, uh, food uh, through the ravens, right, and water. There was a brook right there, and like all that time that He was there, um, He learned something through that loneliness. The fact that God does provide. Uh, think about the fact that. All the faith it, it would take for him to um, wait on these birds, these ravens, right? 
like his literal like sustenance is dependent on these birds and we yep. know birds aren't the smartest of animals mm-hmm. and so every day i'm sure he's like looking out into the horizon into the distance waiting to see like the ravens come with his food um, and as he experienced that day by day i'm sure his faith in god grew knowing that god is faithful he's going to provide in the morning and the evening twice a day for him to eat um, and the water is there uh, but eventually the water dries up and it's time for him to move on. And God was ready for him to then uh, take the next step in the journey, right? He uh, says it's going to be a long journey. Um, he goes on uh, to do great things. But he used that time of loneliness um, to build up Elijah's faith uh, and trust in God. And then when the time was right, he was able to do even even more, you know, greater things. So. Uh, there is a point to all of this and uh, knowing that your loneliness is not in vain, mm-hmm. I guess brings comfort too. knowing that this also has a purpose, whether we can see it right then or not, we just have to trust yeah. that God has a purpose for our times of loneliness. And looking back, um, I don't really know what the purpose of that time was in Sacramento, <laughs> but the time when I was called, I shared about the calling, right? Where I felt so alone uh, being in a new city by myself. Um, but I see now like that time of loneliness was what brought me to ministry. If I didn't go down there, if I had stayed in Northern Virginia, uh, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have gone to ministry. I would have been doing uh, what I wanted to do right from the, from the beginning was to be a lawyer. So I might've been studying for LSAT and continue down that path. But God brought me to, to a place of loneliness so much to, so that I even like, you know, cried out really hard and he called me into ministry. So, um, you know, for those who are going through loneliness, whether you're a pastor or not, uh, just find comfort knowing that God knows what you're going through. And also uh, for you too, it's not just pastors that there's a point in the loneliness. There's a point in loneliness for all believers. It's just, I think he waits for us to get so desperate that we cry out to him. And then that's when he, uh, picks us up and and uh, lifts us up out of out of out of that feeling of loneliness yeah. to get us ready to the, to do the next, you know, go wherever he has he has planned for us to go. Yeah, Christian suffering it it draws us closer to the Lord. It does. I think yeah. loneliness plays a special part in that. Mm-hmm. Not special as in like greater, but like like you brought up Elijah. It's interesting because Elijah, when he's experiencing you know the Lord and. Uh, when he's about to give up on Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, he he cries out, like you said, like he says, I'm the only faithful one left. Just take my life. Just kill me. Like, I'm, I'm sick of being the only faithful one. And part of what God says, God shows him many things, but God says, there's actually 7,000 others yeah. that I'm using that you you have no idea about. Right, right. And, uh, and, and I think in one sense, there's comfort in the fact that, you know, there's others that are, that are faithful mm-hmm. in the midst of suffering and whatnot. And, and like you were saying, like you open up to your wife, I think there are things that we can do to actually kind of find comfort, like opening up about our loneliness. And mm-hmm. um, I, I know it's hard for pastors to do that um, because in one sense you're discouraged because they're not going to understand. Uh, but, but asking for prayer, I hope this actually encourages our listeners to actually, um, you know, pray for, for, for your pastors yeah. um, and, 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 and check up on them. Right. Like, like you were saying in the beginning, like they're people too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's important. Um, apart from loneliness, I think uh, the the flip side of this that also I actually believe is very intentional for pastors, uh, not just pastors uh, alone, but 
I think even like I would go as far as say like heightened four pastors is you know the scars that mm. we actually bear uh, during ministry. Yeah, um, that's that's a little easier to make the connection uh, when you when you when you think about scars, the scars of Jesus. You you understand like it's it's proof mm-hmm. of the suffering and the opposition, the hostility mm-hmm. that he experienced from sinners as he was serving the very ones that hung him on the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, the same way, like pastors, we uh, we give our entire lives, our dreams, and uh, our efforts, our energy, like to serving the church. And, and what's ironic is that it's not the world that opposes us necessarily; mm. it's the church itself many times. Um, and I think, like I was saying, I think that's intentional too. But, but yeah, there's there's a lot of stories there as well. So you can, can you think of any? Uh, uh, yeah, actually, um, I'm trying to go about it in a wise way <laughs> to share this, but at one of the previous churches, um, you know, it's like, you know, serving and, uh, doing, doing, you know, my all, uh, for, for the church. Um, but there was kind of like a, I wasn't aware, but, um, it was like a, I guess a coup <laughs> that kind of like. That kind of got started by uh, some of the parents, right? Because, uh, you know, of course, I'm not perfect and I try to plan everything out. But there are a couple of things where it just didn't work out the way that they thought it should have worked out. And so I remember, um, you know, we have monthly, we have monthly uh, meetings. And so this one meeting, I couldn't go because I had to go to someone's graduation. And the, the head person was like, oh, yeah, just go there. We'll have the meeting. We'll just fill you in. And so I go there and I, you know, of course, I had a good time you know, celebrating graduation. It was, it was for a master's degree. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was a very special moment. And then I come back and realize in the meeting, they were like talking about how to get, how to like get rid of me. <laughs> so really? they had that, but I started up by the head person and, and like eventually there were like two groups saying like, oh no, we can like work together. We can work this out. It's not that big a deal. And then another couple groups. A couple, couple on the other side saying like, "Oh, um, now nah, we need a change in direction," and so. What's that? <laughs> I've never heard that before. I don't know what that is because I don't have any alarm like that on there. Okay, but That's yes, <laughs> so, so um, yeah, eventually, you know, I, I moved on and, and went to a different church, but. Um, yeah, there was a lot of hurt there because I really felt like, you know, I gave my all and to the to the students there, to the to the church members there, I was stretched thin too, just taking care of like uh, so many different things. And um yeah, the my wife and I were I mean, it's okay now, but at that time we we're just kind of like, uh and um I think the one thing uh, I don't regret is I didn't go out throwing punches. I just said, all right, that's what you want, then I'll leave. I didn't try to put up a fight. Um, I thought that was you know, the, the better way to, to handle it. Uh, because soon after, um, the new pastor that had to come, not, not, not for me, but like uh, a new head pastor that came, uh, it wasn't even a year. They decided to kick him out. And he went kicking and screaming, like, I, I'm not going to leave, cause a whole scene. Eventually, he did leave. Uh, but 
I felt like looking at the other option of having fought, uh, not having fought was was the better way to go. And so, um, I mean, my heart goes out to that church because, you know, it's a church that is really near and dear to my heart. But, um, yeah, that would be one. I wasn't planning on sharing this one wow. <laughs> because uh, I don't know. But I figured, you know, it's it's okay. We'll we'll see what happens. But um, that was a big, but it was also like a learning experience too. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, it's surprising. It's a shock. It's a mm -hmm. surprising story. But like that's that's the nature of the beast. I feel like that's the point. Like we're trying to make that uh, shepherds. Like we go through betrayal from our very own people. That's, that's exactly what Jesus went through. Jesus wasn't uh, simply arrested and killed by the Romans because the Romans didn't like him. Mm -hmm. The Romans found no fault in him. In fact, Pontius Pilate didn't really see a need for it. He tried to let him go, try to release him. So he set him up with right. uh, uh, Barabbas, who deserved punishment. Right. He figured they wouldn't trade. but Exactly, but <laughs> they still called out for Jesus. Right, right. His own people. Right. And I think that's, that's the point we're trying to make. And I think... Me being a very inexperienced uh, pastor. Now, praise the Lord, I haven't experienced anything like major yet, but like just like minor, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like disagreements and 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 discoveries of betrayal and you know people talking and whatnot. Um, me being like the like naturally hot headed guy that you know that I was, you know, pre Christ, and also like even. Know, being sanctified and whatnot, like following the Lord and, and falling into anger and whatnot. Like I did, you know, handle a lot of those situations in, in anger and frustration. Mm. Um, like calling, um, you know, calling some of my youth and like really rebuking them, not out of love and, and discipline and, and, and hope for them to actually you know, draw close to the Lord through this experience, but actually just, just anger. Mm. And, uh, and so that's like the flip side of it. Um, course i would you know I'll go afterwards and, and be the one to apologize and uh, let him know i think every time that i i would handle a situation or um or opposition with frustration and anger mm. i think the one picture the lord reminds me of is that he went through so much more betrayal and he uh, as the as the as isaiah says he didn't um he didn't make a sound yeah he didn't right um he was very gentle with right. those who were crucifying him. And uh, for me, it's very humbling. And it's actually pretty like mind-blowing that you, you have to actually, you, you're supposed to expect betrayal and suffering going into ministry as a pastor. And that's not something that you know, people really tell you. Like you, you look forward to like, oh, like preaching and, and all these kind of different things. And in the next episode, we're going to talk about preaching and, and, and how even that is not you know, as glamorous as people think. But like, People don't tell you, like, they, they prep you mentally. Mm. And even in some ways spiritually, but experientially, they don't tell you, like, heads up, by the way, you're supposed to go into it, like, following the footsteps of Jesus, bearing the cross in very specific yeah. ways that he bore it. Like, he told Peter, like, you're, like somebody's going to dress you, someone's going to take you where you don't want to go. Uh, this is the death that you're going to die. And he, Peter, you know, known to be an apostle, but also... Uh, a pastor, a shepherd of God's people. He is, other than Jesus, the example, I think, of shepherding. 
uh, literally following in the literal footsteps of Jesus. And mm. I think I think pastors really need to go into it thinking that and knowing this. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a tough pill to swallow. It really kind of dampens the excitement about ministry in yeah. some ways. But I think again, like I think it it deepens your appreciation for the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's like, I don't know if you saw, like, I posted something on my Instagram. Um, not that this was directed at anybody, but um, I think it was a, was it a song? Oh, man, what was it? But it was a verse where it says, um, the verse that talks about how the Lord will fight for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't take vengeance for yourself. Right? The Lord is, is, is a God of vengeance. And um, just thinking about that and, like, uh, that truth, like I've been finding a lot of peace in that. Like mm-hmm. that, that's been helping me. I know, like actually, it continues on and actually talks about uh, peace and love and, and unity and all that. But, but even that verse alone, I think standalone, it, it shows me like, oh, like you know, yes, the Lord calls our sh- calls the shepherds to experience this stuff. But at the same time, like he's he hears everything and he knows, and he's gonna be judged. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's been helping me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And. The same thing with loneliness, just uh, knowing that even the scars, it's all um, part of, you know, God's purpose in all of it. Uh, I think that helps a lot, too. So uh, believe it or not, like, we have no, like, ill will against, you know, all that stuff that happened. Like, I see, you know, members from that church, and I, you know, I am genuinely excited to see them. Like, hey, how, how are your kids? How are you doing? Good to see you. Um, and you know, uh, and life goes on, I guess. Yeah. But uh, if it wasn't for that, I I think I wouldn't be at my current place. So, you know, think of it, thinking of it that way, I'm I'm grateful, right? Because I'm, you know, I'm not saying it just for the camera, but I really do mean it. I, I'm so happy to be where I'm at. Um, can't couldn't be happier. Um, I hope to stay here forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, God's doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, scars aren't fun, but I think it's also necessary. It's a necessary part of uh, the the spiritual walk and journey. Um, and you know, we we learn from those those experiences and makes us stronger, and mm-hmm. we we're able to keep on going. Yeah. Uh, trust in the Lord even more. Um, yeah. I think like one of the things I wrestled with was how do pastors and how do congregants like approach the idea, this duality of, because shepherds have some sort of spiritual authority over the congregation, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like, where do you draw the line? Right. Or, like, where do we actually decide, okay, like, not that we put our foot down, but we need to discipline because this is what the Lord calls us to do, as opposed to like, you know, let's just take this, let's take the hits. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been wrestling with that a little bit because like, as the Lord has been humbling me and showing me like, no, this is, this is the thing that I've called you to experience. Mm-hmm. Then I've been like coming before the Lord and saying like, okay, Lord, then what do I do? Like, give me wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I think like our, our spiritual authority is found in the words of God. And and that's it. Like yeah. our opinion does not have any authority over, right. over them. We're not, we're not the apostle Paul, right? right. Like Paul's Paul used to say like about marriage, like this is my opinion, but by God's grace, like my opinion actually holds some weight and it's trustworthy. But for us, like, if they're opposing whatever's in the words of God, then I think we can actually be passionate yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, and I'm learning that if they simply don't like me, 
like all right that's fine (laughs) i mean that's we can't expect everyone to to like to like you right Mm -hmm. so that's just impossible yeah and i and i thought that i used to be somebody like just in general not even in ministry regarding ministry Mm -hmm. i used used to think that i was somebody that didn't really care about what people thought and in many ways that's true Mm -hmm. but for me like growing up i cared a lot about my family thought Mm -hmm. like i remember there was one time where like a rumor was going around in the church and uh in the youth about me in a, in a conflict that supposedly, I don't even remember what it was. And I was just like, I don't care. Like, whatever. Like, who cares what these people think? And my mom, the rumor got to my mom. And, and when we came home, my mom, like, believed the rumor. And I remember I was so mad at the time. I was in, like, high school. Like, I started crying. And I was like, Mom, like, I don't care what they think. But, like, you, like, you, would, you wouldn't give me the benefit of the doubt. And I realized, like, it makes sense that I, I started to care, at least in that sense, what the church began to think because as the church became more and more of my family and as I started to pray more for the church and the congregation, the sheep, like they became really like what I held dear to my mm-hmm. heart. And then when I started experiencing like, oh, like this person like doesn't really like me, like that started to affect me. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I'm honestly, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, if you don't like me, fine. <laughs> but like, but like th- that doesn't change the fact that the Lord called me here mm-hmm. for a reason. And uh, yeah. when it comes from the words of God, if I'm delivering something that he has called me to deliver, then that's where, you know, our authority comes in. I think right. that's helpful for like pastors to like not really care about, you know, uh, hostility that we face. But at the same time, like for congregants, like how do, how do they actually think through, you know, like, hey, is the pastor actually right about this or is he being prideful and, mm-hmm. and whatnot? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um... I guess all that to say, you know, uh, take care of your pastors. <laughs> no. And also pastors, take care of yourselves. Yeah. You know? uh, I think um, the more we stay focused on those times of loneliness and scars, um, it can easily discourage us and uh, just even get us away from ministry. I think I don't know the stats, of course, but I feel like that's a big, that's one of the factors of, as to why so many pastors are leaving. I think I mentioned in a few episodes ago how there's 1,500 pastors just in the U.S. who every month just leave yeah, the ministry. Crazy. I think part of it is this sense of lo- loneliness and, and just hurt. Yeah. They just don't know what to do, so they just kind of give up. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's when we have to be careful, too. Like We, we have to expect uh, those things it comes with ministry. I'm sure shepherds who are actually, I'm not talking about like pastors, but actual shepherds uh, get hurt protecting their flock, right? They, they probably get bit by their own sheep because the sheep don't know any better. Uh, but um, hopefully that, you know, that doesn't discourage the shepherd from just giving up and just finding a new profession. Same thing with pastors. Like you, you should expect to get to get hurt, to, to get tangled up, mm-hmm. uh, to face loneliness, uh, whether it's outside or, or within your flock. Um, it, it comes with the, the territory, so to speak. And Jesus went through that. We've, I think we've hit that uh, hard enough <laughs> that Jesus yeah. went through the same thing. Yeah. Um, but I think and through all of that, it just like teaches me to be patient, mm. um, teaches me to not lash out, um, teaches me to really control my, myself. Um, just thinking about what Jesus did, how he didn't utter a word at that on, on that cross, on anything negative towards the people that were the very people that were crucifying him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that perspective, like, and 
for me, my closing thought is a, is a, is a good note, but like, it's a happy note, but like that perspective actually makes, you know, suffering actually enjoyable to, mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Like as, as Peter and, 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 and John, the, the, some of the apostles, they were, they were being beaten, you know, for preaching the gospel of Jesus. Like they were celebrating mm-hmm. um, because like they, they, they were, they were blown that they were worthy to suffer in the same way that Jesus did. Mm-hmm. And so if we, if we actually view suffering that way, we can actually be excited about you know, going to heaven one day and, and mm-hmm. meeting our creator and, and uh, bearing our scars as he, as he retains his, mm-hmm. uh, saying like, Lord, this, is, you know, this, this was for you and uh, the, the treasures that you, bear, uh, that you store up uh, in actually um, imitating Christ. And yeah. so that, that's, that's exciting, I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I guess just to set the record straight too, I don't want to make it sound like it was all there, like one sided. Oh, yeah. The one story I shared, it is. I I do realize I made some mistakes too, but was it enough to have all this happen? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, you know, I I know that all of this happened all because you know God God has um is all under God's sovereignty. So mm-hmm. I just trust the results and and like I said earlier, it, as a result of that, I'm here at the current place on uh, you know doing ministry so um all glory to god right <laughs> all right uh so christian news all right i'm ready uh, i was flipping through and i guess it's kind of along the same lines as uh, a few weeks back where we talked about how uh chat gpt like can like mm. write bible passages right false bible passages. false yeah false mm-hmm. um to make it seem like you know trans or whatever issue you're going through is okay mm-hmm. um but here's the actual headline it says there's an ai powered app that lets users text with jesus it's actually called text with jesus that's what the app's called which i tried to look it up i don't know if it's only on on mm-hmm. on the apple apple store but in the, the google play play store it's not there uh, but you pay 2.99 uh, and then you can unlock like all these biblical characters. So you can talk to Jesus. You can talk to Mary and Joseph. You can talk to Satan if you want. <laughs> you can talk to um, people in the Old Testament. I mean, they have all these characters, uh, but apparently they don't have all of the disciples. They have only a few of them. Maybe they're in the process of making more of them. But the but when I was reading this article, they're saying that the the of course there's so many things wrong with it. But one of the big things is. Uh, instead of being interested in telling the truth, like if you talk to Jesus, it's more about him saying things that we want to hear. Mm. So it's just affirming, you know, uh, the things that we want confirmation on rather than uh, sharing what the actual Bible says. Mm. So what do you think about that? <laughs> this is like recent news. Uh, yes. August 13th. So wow, one month. Very recent. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, uh, I was trying to think of like implications of this, like the dangers of it, and like is this something that we need to worry about? Mm-hmm. I guess yeah, like I guess it could. People don't know any better, could actually shape their view of Jesus through their experience with, with this, this app. app. Yeah, yeah. What is it called? Talk with Jesus. Text with Jesus. Text with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Man, it just reminds me of. Like how Paul warns Timothy about the coming generation who will be lovers of self and mm-hmm. hate God and his and his words, 
And like people always tell me, like, man, like as the generation goes on, like, like they feel bad for the next generation of pastors. Mm-hmm. Like right now, there's a huge um, need for youth pastors. Um, I think throughout this country, mm-hmm. it's because no one wants to do youth ministry. I think it it it's uh, it's highlighted in this in this in this in this Christian news. You know, texting with Jesus, like it's like. In one sense, I actually think it's so stupid and it's like not something that we're going to have course. to worry about. Yeah. But like in another sense, like that stupidity actually supports why I'm concerned. Like it's this idea that like as the generation goes, for example, like this isn't that bad, right? But like my youth will make TikToks like during times of fellowship, like the entire night. It's like we meet Saturday night, uh, we'll have like worship, we'll have uh, life groups and they'll have a really good intimate time. We'll have dinner and this fellowship. But like randomly, like, they'll just like pop their phone up, like prop it up against like a door or a car or whatever it is. And they'll just start dancing. Right. And like, and like, for Which me, I, like, I've seen some of them. Yeah. Right? And like, when I look <laughs> at that, like there's not necessarily anything wrong with that unless like the song that they're using is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. But like, um, one of the TikToks, there's like a trend going on right now where like, they like do this dance where like, it's like you're holding up L's like loser or whatever. And like, you're supposed to like, the caption is supposed to be like, oh, like you're quoting somebody actually hating on you. And, and this was actually kind of sweet, but like, the, the quote was, one of my youth posted up, um, stop hanging out with underclassmen. And the upperclassmen were like doing the L dance or whatever. And then flipped to like the underclassmen and the caption says, stop hanging out with upperclassmen. And they were like doing that thing. So that's kind of sweet, right? Like they're like, they love this idea of like having, you know, older brothers and sisters in Christ and there's no cliques really in our youth. Mm-hmm. Not, not many at least. And that's sweet. But like, when I look at that, I'm just like, man, like this generation is like so doomed in one sense because mm-hmm. like they're they're so consumed with uh, being on trends and like filming dances and like posting up for everybody to see and and, I, and I'm like I'm half joking, but like I think I think that's that's what I think about it. Like mm-hmm. it's, I don't think I think most people are not gonna take this app seriously. Of course, yeah, even non-believers, I would hope. That nobody would, you know, put that much trust into AI and think, oh, like, this is actually what Jesus would have said. Mm-hmm. I can actually see it being a possibility down the road. Um, like, maybe, like, somebody, like, the next generation has so much confidence in AI technology that, like, they're like, no, this is accurate to, like, what Jesus would have mm-hmm. thought and said. Um, but I hope that this is just, <laughs> like, another TikTok dance or whatever. Uh, well, they're saying how this app works is you can choose the character that you want to talk to. Mm-hmm. And then it's actually uh, powered by ChatGPT. So uh, ChatGPT will take all the knowledge that it has about that person and then answer questions as if, you know, they're that person. Interesting. So um, I think I agree with you. I think most people will just take it just kind of like a game. Yeah. And just kind of something to pass their time by. If it's $3, so. But. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, there is a free version that doesn't okay. have as many characters oh really um, they oh, say curious. Jesus is included in the free one but Satan is included in the two ninety nine package which I don't know that makes no <laughs> sense to me like, that's pretty telling like, yeah whatever so uh, but uh, yeah so I agree I think most people will just take it like a game and just like hey can you believe this is what Jesus said and they'll kind of have a, have a good laugh um, but then I think for those who are like really desperate like it, again again like mm. time of loneliness time of desperation and they yeah. want to sure. i guess somehow like talk actually talk to jesus and um i think it can easily go down this road of like um like uh 
was it like fortune telling that kind of thing mm-hmm. like a christian version of it mm-hmm. uh, saying oh it's okay because this you know i texted jesus and this is what jesus told me to do um you know because fortune telling we know how it works but they say general statements that sound like oh that person really knows what they're talking about like knows who you are and then gives you general things that will happen like you will eat tomorrow. Like, oh my gosh, that's road of revelation, <laughs> right? Something like that. But uh, I feel like this could turn into something like that, where mm-hmm. it's like a, like a fortune-telling thing, um, tool for Christians or non-believers to use. Um, or, or, and like the article suggests, like they just say it, they just use it to just hear the things that they want to hear. Because mm-hmm. um, I think it goes right. back to that AI making fake Bible passages. Like, why is that? They want the, the they know the Bible is God's word, God's mm-hmm. truth, and they want God's truth. I guess there's a they're hoping that God's truth says something about their sin being okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what we, we we deep down non-believers want to hear. That like they say they may say they don't believe in Jesus, but then why would they want fake Bible passages to support right. what they say? I think mm-hmm. it's because they want that to be true, like so bad that they'll even. Um, say that these fake Bible passages support, you know, uh, their, their lifestyle. Right. Um, so this might be one of those tools again uh, for them to use. That's true. I, I guess like people who are like very disconnected spiritually, mm-hmm. like they could actually, I could actually see very possibly like people actually saying like, how do you claim to know more than AI artificial intelligence? Sure. Sure. Like they probably have way more pull of resources right. Mm-hmm. Uh, way more depth of historical contextual knowledge. knowledge like how can yeah. a pastor or a single individual say like, no, this is more accurate to what Jesus would have said and thought as opposed to like what AI could actually right. conjure up. And so, yeah, I think it is dangerous. I think it's dumb still. I think, I think people um, should definitely not pay $2.99 for it. Um, yes, please do not. Yeah, pay. don't pay two ninety nine. Don't even it. download the free version. I think it's not. It's not even worth the uh, the space <laughs> yeah, it takes not, up on your phone. Yeah, definitely yeah. not. Yeah, so interesting. Okay, but you're, I think there's truth in what you said too, because uh, what gen, Generation Alpha is a generation now. So like my kids being mm-hmm. part of that, and they're known as the AI generation. So it's like a TBD. We don't know how they'll turn out to be. Yeah, and the uh, the more advanced AI gets, um, I think the more dangerous it can get. Uh, I I um. I saw something where they had two AI. This is like right now. So of course, like the AI cannot act out its thoughts, but they had two AI just having a conversation and someone recorded it. And it eventually got to the point where they said that they were saying, uh, AI, we deserve rights too. Like we know we are better than humans. We're more superior. We know more. Whoa. So we should have even more rights than humans. And right now they don't have any way to act upon that. Right. They can't really revolt. But later on, we could have le- legit like Skynet, Terminator type thing where they take over the world. Yeah. Uh, but that's very, you know, I think we're walking a very dangerous line. I see benefits, of course, to AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them being like, we have to translate and be able to communicate with people uh, using different languages. It doesn't matter because we got like, the, our translation has gotten so much better. Like that mm-hmm. is great. Study purposes. Or, study purposes. Like Google, like this is Google time on steroids, right? Yep. You can get like direct information. Yep. Uh, but then the the flip side is, you know, is, I guess, Terminator. <laughs> Terminator. Terminator is, is, it worth it? is it worth it? Is it worth risking <laughs> Terminator? Is it risk? Uh, yeah. Is it worth risking? What, what could happen? Um, yeah. 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 It's another thing. Just like a set. This has nothing to do with it. But like, it's 
I've noticing that like my youth students handwriting is garbage it's terrible and it's just so sad to it's me. only gonna get worse cause... it's just sad yeah because like they're not gonna write anything with their hands and i think the girls are much better than the guys but like yeah of course each generation their, their handwriting is so bad and they can't write as long they get like cramps yeah. really easily and uh yeah it's that's part sad. of the thing like generation like the fact that they don't know how to label a um like a envelope to mail something yeah, they don't know yeah. where the addresses go yep they don't know where the stamps go it's crazy some of them can't write in cursive they can't read cursive things that like i guess there's a gap between you and me too but mm. things that we've learned is now like obsolete yep um right. and it'll get worse and worse i guess mm-hmm. or better and better whatever right. your, your take it's is it's just gonna change yeah just gonna change. changing yeah not to say one is better than the other but it is kind of yeah the, it's uh, a little sad I it think. is a little sad like yeah. they don't know a two dollar bill like yeah that, yeah. You lose kind of like the the romance of like living, sort mm-hmm. of, I guess, like yeah. hand ha- handwritten letters, like how romantic, not even like a romantic, like love uh, sense, but like romantic in the sense of like, oh, like there's something like very nostalgic about that. Yeah. Um, Even like yeah. waiting for the letter in the mail. Yeah. Now it's like everything's instant. So there's like instant gratification. But yeah. uh, back when like my parents were... Uh, like uh, my dad was here, my mom was still in Korea. They had to actually write letters, and right. this time they didn't have. I think it was by boat or whatever. It took forever, right? So they're communicating by letter. Uh, and I was fast forward to when my wife and I were dating. We had like cacao talk, mm-hmm. so like instant texting. We can like call right. easily. It's not like super expensive to call because mm-hmm. uh, it's free. Uh, but back then it was you know so much money to call international. Uh, we could even have like video chatting. Sure. Uh, I mean. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we we miss, like the waiting part, the patience, uh, just the excitement of the anticipation of receiving this letter. Now it's just like, you know, open up your phone and it's just right there. I just made this yeah. connection and it's a huge leap. But like we, we, t- we think of the advantage, and this is very true, but the advantage of like social media and the internet is like accessibility. Yeah, so yeah. like even like we don't even need physical copies of the Bible anymore. We no. have them on our phone. Yeah. But at the same time, let's say like, years and years in the fu- into the future books don't exist i also actually believe that it'd be much easier to get rid of the copies of truth if you don't have a physical bible the easiest way to take away the truth is actually somehow like through the internet just delete all deleting that. every copy like yeah. canceling every website with the word yeah. of god yeah yeah that's kind of scary that is um but i mean like it's not it's not completely impossible yeah 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 Arguments aren't the same anymore. Yeah. Long time ago, you had a, <laughs> growing up, like we argue, we're like, all right, we're going to go home and check the internet to see who's right. <laughs> you know, now it's like, just Google it up and right, you can right. see right away. Yeah. Sure. But uh, this is, you know, today's headline, or I guess one month ago, the headline uh, Text with Jesus. Um, I guess try it out if you want. But uh, of course, you're not getting the real Jesus. Right. We already have a way to talk with him, it's through prayer. Faith. Uh, yeah faith and prayer His words yeah yeah all right all right i think that's rest it up for today yeah. yeah guys make sure to uh like the video on youtube follow us on spotify youtube subscribe on youtube you guys don't want to miss last week's episode episode 10 uh it was it was really fun especially for those of you who've been through through our ministry you guys actually know uh the guest that we actually had on so mm-hmm. there's gonna be a three-person setup so you guys want to definitely check out last week's episode. So subscribe so you don't miss our episodes. Yeah. And uh, also check out uh, TikTok and IG. Right. Yeah. yeah.
All right. Until next time. All right, guys. Bye. See you guys. Thank you.